Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me is the man who tore up the dance floor at a wedding this weekend, Zach Mayberry. Zach, tell us a little bit about that dancing. Uh, well, um, we did some of my favorites, like the WAP mm-hmm. um, and, and the Wobble mm-hmm. and the Cupid Shuffle. Oh, yeah. And Copperhead Road. Sure. Um, you know, just some of the classics. And it was it was great because it was a wedding for one of my um, one of my dear friends from college. And so I I, I had a lovely time. That, it was quite nice. That sounds very lovely. If you have anything lovely that you want to tweet us, you can tweet us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey, it's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z A C Mabry. Email us podcast at RomanCircusBlog.com. Rate and review us if you want. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. Zach, I know you're excited because we're back in that wonderful time of year that you love so much. It's ordinary time. It's what? <laughs> oh, I always forget about that. I'm always like, "What's ordinary?" Okay, yeah, and I, I don't. That there's some dopey thing behind that, but I I always forget that because I didn't live in that world for like any length of time. Right. Um, but yeah, so the um, what's what's always been known as the season after Pentecost. Um, you know that time in the church when everything is very ordinary. Yeah. I mean, some of these, some of these places could use some ordinary. I, I should show you pictures of some of these churches in Dallas. There's like a spaceship one, and oh man, I mean, not like a spaceship spaceship, but it looks kind of like them. Spaceship church, huh? Um, they need ordinary time. Yeah. Ordinary time is like parish yoga club or whatever. Um, Bing- so- we could use a little more Friday night bingo. Hey, don't knock Friday Night Bingo. I'm not. I'm saying it's very ordinary, and it's nice, and it's lovely in its own way. I I celebrate all my Friday Night Bingo children equally. Very nice, very nice. Sure. Yeah, so what this time of year is known as is the season after Pentecost, and we just kind of counted off. So we just passed the first Sunday after Pentecost, which is Trinity Sunday. And coming up is the second Sunday after Pentecost, the third Sunday after Pentecost, um, and that's kind of how we do this until we get to Advent, is how the calendar um, does it. So we'll sail through the summer and the fall, and we'll just get to, you know, first Sunday of Advent is how that works. And so um, we're going to talk about some of the cool feast days that will happen this summer, so you can kind of plan your barbecuing activities around <laughs> the church's venerable calendar that's been handed down to us throughout the centuries. Yes. But, uh, but before we get into that, uh, any any current events we need to talk about for our our listeners? There, we don't have to go into this, but something fascinating happened last night in the world of NBA basketball, National Basketball mm-hmm. Association basketball, as I just said. Mm-hmm. The general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers was mm-hmm. allegedly caught with five anon Twitter accounts that he used to basically hype himself up, 
talk trash about his players, question decisions of other general managers, and just kind of stir stir the pot a little bit. Now, these were not under his name. These were, you know, like just a non-accounts, right? So they had random names, random handles. And a journalist had an anonymous source tweet at him that this might be going on. So he researched it and found like all these accounts were following the same people and kind of used the same verbiage verbiage and uh yeah so like last night this huge article in the ringer comes out and it takes nba twitter by storm so this general manager has been denying this and now it comes out this morning that it could potentially be his wife who was in control of some of these accounts so this thing is I know there may not be a lot of basketball interest by listeners or, you know, fellow hosts of this show, but it it really is fascinating. I like that he had five. Like, he had, like, a starting lineup of burner <laughs> Yeah. Well, someone, someone uh, went in to the forgot password question mark feature and typed in that of all these accounts that they forgot the password and found that, you know, they can text you a, your whatever, text you a code or whatever it is these days. And they found that the uh, phone number associated with all five accounts ended in the same two digits. And it's the same two digits of the cell phone, either the general manager or general manager or his wife have. So, yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So no, that's a, it's, pretty fascinating the the point is if you're going to have anonymous twitter accounts to talk smack you have to have your things in order zach you really have to have it all together you can't risk you can't risk a multi-million dollar high profile job to have five anon accounts guy sounds like a doofus um i mean it's not definitely not a smart thing to do no yeah smart people don't do that now we have a few anon account listeners and followers that we love very much but they have their stuff together right well and they're not using their anon accounts to pimp out their themselves you know i mean like they're using it to tweet about different topics like i know someone that has seven twitters but they're they're all tweeting different topics. They're all following. Like I only know one of this person's Twitters. Right. Um. I just they've told me they have multiple ones because they they wear different hats and they you know I mean I couldn't keep up with that. So I I mean I have a hard time like remembering my family members' names and so I couldn't possibly um <laughs> have on, on those accounts. And I I used to have an anonymous account that I would tweet you know Catholic stuff from, but mm-hmm. then I was like oh, I'm just gonna be me because it you know it's too. Uh, it's I don't know. To me, it's too risky to go out on the internet anonymous because like it messes with your mind and you start becoming like a character and get into fights and all this stuff. So sure. I, I don't do. It. I mean, I know some cool anonymous accounts, but for me, it, it doesn't work. Oh yeah, man. No, it, but, you know, it can drive drive you nuts. Remember, uh, friend of the show and former Oklahoma City Thunder basketball player Kevin Durant got caught. Yeah cupcake yeah he got <laughs> he got caught posting something that he meant to do from an anon account 
on his actual account. So you gotta you gotta watch out. You better watch out. You better not cry. Exactly. Um Yeah, we know that's probably the second biggest Twitter story of the week though. Oh yeah. Who's who's the first? A, lo- um, a lovely lass. Yeah, America's America's uh, mom. Yeah, <laughs> Roseanne Barr um, went on Twitter and tweeted um, an offensive comment about um, an Obama advisor. Right, and they canceled this revived Roseanne Barr MAGA show that they've been doing on ABC, which was one of their top-rated shows. Oh, it was. I think um, the top-rated, right? It did huge ratings. Yeah, I, I didn't. I never saw it. So I, but I mean, it apparently was was doing quite well. I watched. Um, I watched every episode, Zach. I'll admit to it. It was. Uh, was it good? Yeah, it wasn't bad. It, I. I mean, I. I watched it because I actually love John Goodman. I think he's amazing. But. Uh, he's a good man. But yeah, it was. It was interesting. It wasn't. People kept framing it as like, finally the MAGA hats get a show that we can care about, you know, but, uh, by the way, I say we, not as a we, as in we, as a general we, um, but it was, it actually, I don't know, it was actually a lot more liberal than it, you, people would have expected that show to be, but either way, it, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it um, it was it was all right though. It was I've always, you know, found Roseanne to be an interesting person. And I still well, guess... Yeah, she's very interesting. So she went on and she said it she tweeted it because she was on Ambien. Right. Um and actually there are a lot of drawbacks people should be aware of with Ambien. Um but so then the makers of Ambien, the drug company, they put out a tweet saying like racism is not one of our side effects. Yeah. And then people are like, yes. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to cheer on a prescription drug company. Right. No matter what. Yeah. Um, I mean, the comment that she made, it, it really was not a nice thing to say. And I mean, I understand ABC's point. I, I'm just never one to join these like lynch mobs that go after and like um, people online and demand that they get fired and all this stuff. Even I mean, even if I think that the person messed up, I just don't like to be part of a mob. Sure. Um but, you know, and I feel bad for the people who lost their jobs because of her tweet. Fun. Um, on my little, like, NPR news brief this morning, they mentioned her ambient comment, but they said, but then she kept retweeting people defending her. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Anyway, what were you going to say? Um, uh, a buddy today was telling me he knows a knows a gal who was writing for uh, one of the shows, just a, I forget what show it was, but she left that job to start a new job and yesterday was her first day at Roseanne which also turned out to be her last day so she left her left her gig to go write or do whatever PA or something for Roseanne and the same day that was her first day was also her last day pretty uh, yeah that's sort of rough I hope she left on good terms that's why you don't burn bridges people right well they I would imagine ABC is probably doing something for the other employees of that show. But yeah. 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 So it's a, 
rough time in the racist revival sitcom industry. Right, yeah, it's a rough time to be a racist on Twitter with a sitcom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's been happening. Um, the internet's a buzz that Kim Kardashian met with uh, President Trump. Right. I mean, that's another thing where you just like, imagine going back, you know, 10 years and, and saying that. I don't know that Kim Kardashian was around. Imagine going back eight years and being like, so Kim Kardashian met with, with President Donald J. Trump today. Right. Hey, you know, this is just, this is what you get in ordinary time, Zach. When you're, when you're in ordinary time, you get... You keep using that word. You, you, you get completely ordinary things, like President Donald Trump meeting with uh, well-regarded prison reform enthusiast Kim Kardashian. Like, it's... I I fail to see what the weirdness is when an ordinary thing happens in ordinary time. There is no such thing as ordinary time. I don't... I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, no. If anything, it's this is proving uh there's no in in no walk of life is anything ever ordinary, I suppose, huh? And that's um, the the real message of today's podcast. Is what? I don't know. I just I sometimes I just say things and I hope that you uh, say yeah, and then uh, talk talk on like it. I actually meant something. Well, you you need to roll back into our podcast about the liturgical season and refresh yourself on the seven seasons and how none of them are called ordinary time. Right. Um. But I mean, yeah. You know, I'm I'm, I'm not familiar with what the the disco era calendar spells out for this. Uh, it's this season, but. It's, but the it's time after Lent, Pentecost. it's Pentecost, it's reality show summit at the White House, it's Advent. It's Truck Month! Um, <laughs> Which is uh, second only to Truck Month in my mind. Right, right. So, um, let's see, is there anything else in the world we need to tell the people about before we get rolling with uh, Feats After Pentecost? No, I think the people have a pretty good grasp on... Uh, life and the goings-ons of, you know, everything. Good, good. Um, and it just as a quick preview, we're going to have a, a special guest next week. So you'll you'll get to listen to us today, and then you'll get to listen to to more than just us next week. We're going to do some going to be me with fun stuff this summer. Have just, our our friends on the show with us. It's just going to be a. Uh, me with a mustache. I don't know. Yeah, it's you and Alexa are just going to host the <laughs> yeah. next show. That might have when to be. I'm out of, I'll be out of the country the following week, so you and Alexa can be the host. I was going to say that might have to be two weeks, just me chatting with Alexa. That'd be funny. Yeah, I did see something I laughed at where they said, uh, "So there's you know diss tracks are a big thing right now, right? Because of the push of T." And someone said, a distract is just two grown men sitting in separate rooms writing poems about each other. I I literally just saw that. Uh, Steve the Missionary retweeted it. Oh, That's Steve the Missionary. It. Do YouTubers go on podcasts? Um, I don't know. 
Can you hear that honking in the background? Yeah, what is that? Some some speed demon motorcycle. Is that Mr. Steal Your Girl? Yeah, it is. <laughs> some speed demon motorcycle man just went blasting down the road setting off car alarms. Okay, there you know, it is. One horse open sleigh. It's probably Bog Hall. Oh, wow. Um, or he's not a biker anymore, is he? No. Now that he's a dad. Yeah. Well, well, that's enough about our lives and the world around us. Let's dive into the calendar. Okay. So, one thing that I think that's important about knowing the liturgical calendar and and keeping it in your lives is that, you know, calendars unite people and they, they sort of hold cultures together. Whenever there were uh, revolutions and, and people came in and tried to, to sever people from their past and from their values, they always tried to impose a new calendar. So that happened um, with the French Revolution and at other times throughout history. And so that's why we that's why we love our calendar, which we've had for centuries um, with very little, you know, being changed about it. Right. Um, and, you know, that's why we spent time talking about it earlier in the year to kind of go through. You know, we start with Advent, um, Epiphany, time after Epiphany, pre-Lent, Lent, uh, Easter, and then Pentecost and time after Pentecost is where we find ourselves now. Um, and this is obviously a very long season and, you know, it does sort of, because we basically take Pentecost and we just extend it out until the end of the calendar, which is sort of symbolic because obviously after the Pentecost, you know, the, the, the Trinity has been revealed, the, the Holy Spirit has descended upon Mary and the disciples and, you know, now the church really starts to spread. And so that's kind of a, you know, just sort of a snapshot of, of basically you know, the rest of time, um, which is why at the very end, the last Sunday after Pentecost and the first Sunday of Advent, the um, the theme is the end of the world because it, you know, that's sort of how it works. Um, yeah. So. Well, if with Pen- yeah with Pentecost, you know, being the birth of the church, right? So, I mean, any any time after that would just kind of be the church, the church's time. If that, I, it sounds. It didn't sound as smart when I just said it, but you know what I mean? Like it it would be after Pentecost in terms of it's after the birth of the church. Right. So the the first Sunday after Pentecost we've already passed, but just to kind of review to people is mm-hmm. uh Trinity Sunday. Did you see how so, that that one uh person on Twitter said that at his so called church that he they will be talking about why the Trinity actually isn't biblical. Yeah. I sort of, I thought that was pretty funny. I liked your response where you're like, well, I'm not going to go to, what was it, Greensboro? Because that's not biblical. Yeah. It's not in the Bible. I'm not going there. I know. I mean, it's like you want to respond to these people, but they're just stupid. I mean, it is important to go out and argue about the Trinity and, and, and make sure people understand it. Because if you don't, you don't know that God's a Trinity, then you don't know, God. I mean, the, the God that's not a Trinity is not a real God, because the only God that exists is a Trinity. So, um, you know, you've got to kind of know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Trinity Sunday is great, and I, I did see some pretty kind of cool tweets about that. They were like, God is God. It was, it was interesting. Um, so yeah, so that's that season, um, kind of starting with the Feast of the Blessed Trinity, um, then we move out into what's coming up, which 
Um, tomorrow is Feast of Corpus Christi. Okay. But what's been happening um, for actually quite some time is that there will be what's called an external solemnity of Corpus Christi. So you'll have the feast on Thursday. Right. And they'll do the processions in Rome and other places. But then they'll also have the same feast on Sunday because more people can go to Mass on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that that's less important now than it used to be because in the past, you couldn't start a Mass after noon. So, you know, now you can just do a Thursday evening Mass. Right. No no sweat. Um, that was loosened under Pius XII. So, uh, but, you know, in the past, you had you couldn't start a Mass after noon, which is, you know, Christmas had midnight Mass because you could do that. Um, you know, everything else started afternoon. They started to roll that back when they uh, came up with the Easter Vigil in the 50s. Okay. Um, during those 55 reforms we talked about that were... Um, you know, interesting to say the least. Sure. Um, so yeah, the feast of Corpus Christi is the feast of the body of Christ. There'll be, you know, processions of the Eucharist, you know, special blessings. It's a, a really cool, you know, feast. And I would say, you know, grab, jump on EWTN. They'll probably show the processions that they do in Rome um, with the Holy father and, and all of that. And so I would definitely, recommend checking it out because it's it's good stuff it's fun right um now tomorrow also it kind of gets uh it's kind of gets smushed by corpus christi because that's a first class feast but tomorrow would also be the queenship of the blessed virgin mary so that's the um you can also think of that as like the fifth mystery of the the fifth glorious mystery of the rosary so the 15th mystery Mm -hmm. um an important one to celebrate. And uh, if you want to do that with a queen's cocktail, uh, you can make that with uh, pineapple slice, gin and sweet vermouth. Okay. Um, and if you want to add optional, you can also add dry vermouth. So um, figured it's fun to let you know a, a drink to celebrate though. I know that that won't be how you partake in that important feast day of the queenship of Mary. Right. Right. So scrolling through that, do you know what the next feast day is? The next feast one? The next feast day, uh, important feast day would be Sacred Heart. That's the one. So this is really cool, especially because um, you know, the history of, of the Sacred Heart devotion being revealed to Margaret Mary Alacoque. Or how do you say that? Do you know how to say it? Repeat that. Alacoque. Margaret Mary Alacoque. Uh, let me see the exact spelling. Yeah, Alec. Yeah, Alacoque. Yeah. Yeah, that that looks We're good. We're talking about. So the, the feast of the Sacred Heart is beautiful, and the Sacred Heart devotion has has been very popular now for centuries. Um, so it's it's you know an observance to really look at. It'll be the Friday. It's the third Friday after Pentecost is when that happens. And so basically a week and a day after the Feast of Corpus Christi is when you would have that important celebration. So you definitely want to mark that, um, celebrate it with the Sacred Heart. Um, a great way to do that is actually, there's a few different things. One of them is called the Enthronement of the Sacred Heart. Okay. Um, are you familiar with that, Matt? The Enthronement of the Sacred Heart. Tell me about that. So it's a, it's a devotion that you do. You do need a priest. Um, to do it, but you get a nice image of of Jesus uh, showing his sacred heart. 
Okay. And you pick, a, you know, a good place in your home to put up that image. Um, some people pair it with a an image of our blessed mother showing her immaculate heart, so you can do both. Right. I think um, that's the next day, right? Yeah, but okay. the uh, you know, okay. technically, strictly speaking, you're only required to have the sacred heart. Um, and right. then a, a priest comes, and then you know, there's a, a lovely, um, you know, ceremony and blessing, and then you you hang up the the picture in the home you know, officially, and, and there's uh, indulgences and special graces and things that come along with doing this. Um, so it's especially good for families because it, it basically makes Jesus, you know, the king of your home officially. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't live, um, you know, in a monarchy or anything. So some of the imagery there gets lost because we, we don't really understand it. But it is important to recognize Christ as king, um, you know, in, in the literal sense. And so this helps to keep that in mind and, and make that part of the home and right. then when people come over they can see your your nice image of the sacred heart and they you know they know who's in charge and i'm sure it's terrifying to demons so if, if you're yeah. one of those people that has just swarms and swarms of demons around you um you know this could be your your cure i always picture it like who's that character from the peanuts that's uh, what's his name pig pen yeah pig pen the one that has all the yeah. dirt following him and stuff yeah, so if you've got demons on you, like Pigpen, mm-hmm. then you call priests and do an enthronement. And I, I know the priests love to do that devotion. Um, make them dinner, of course. You know, don't be don't be a jerk. Yeah. Um, you know, have some wine for them. But you know, yeah. So invite a priest over, do the enthronement. I think you can do it any time of year. So, but you know, a great time to do it would be right at the feast of the Sacred Heart. And you can do it if you're single, have them do it. Do it do in your dorm room, your apartment, your your prison cell, wherever you're listening from. Um, and throw in the sacred heart, have a priest do it. They're, you know, they probably have the stuff where you can go online uh, on fish eaters and print out the the words and the priest can say it that way. So make it happen. Okay. Okay. So feast of the sacred heart. That is a good one. Um Moving forward, so the Feast of the Precious Blood will follow. Okay. Yes. Well, the fun thing about that is the, the sort of official drink for that feast day is sangria. And <laughs> I highly recommend Wait, people... where, where do you find these official drinks and things like that? Oh, only in the greatest book ever. So um, there's a book called Drinking with the Saints, The Sinner's Guide to a Happy, uh, a Holy Happy Hour. Sorry, The Sinner's Guide to a Holy Happy Hour. By Michael P. Foley. And Michael Foley is like a super genius. Um, he writes excellent books. There's another one he writes, I think, Why Do Why Do Catholics Eat Fish on Friday? And it's got a whole thing about all these different practices and why we do what we do. Okay. Um, but this one, it's great. It's like Butler's Lives of the Saints meets like a bartender's guide. So you've got the whole calendar, um, all the seasons. So you know, even, even pre-Lent and Septuagesima, has certain drinks associated with it. Um, so, you know, it's great. Uh, for some of our listeners that um, do not attend Mass in the Venerable, Venerable Gregorian Rite, um, it does have a reference in the back where you can match the feast days up to the new calendar. Right. But um, it's tricky just because, you know, these food traditions developed organically based on the seasons. So when you jumble up all the feast days sort of arbitrarily like what was done, I don't think any of the food and drinks are going to really match the weather and stuff. 
just because it was so artificial. Um, but it is there if, if you're in that uh, kind of unfortunate situation. Um, so literally all the different saints, you can go see like St. Margaret of Scotland. You'd have a Royal Scot um, with whiskey, uh, grenadine, lemon juice, you know, all sorts of things. And uh, he's got neat suggestions in it. Like if you're mixing a drink, you know, in a tumbler, shake it, you know, 40 times to get it mixed with the ice and cold. And 40 is also a penitential number. So, you know, the the, uh, the Hebrews wandered in, in the wilderness for 40 years looking for the promised land. Lent is 40 days. Uh, it rained 40 days when Noah was in the ark. Um, so, it, you know, it's a neat kind of thing. Wow, that's intense. Yeah. Um Oh, when we have uh, when we have Jake on the show, we can bring up the the great basil cocktail or great basil cocktail. So it's a lime wedge, simple syrup, basil leaves, Le Blanc, gin, and basil sprig for garnish. Um, so we know that's a favorite saint of his, and Saint Basil the Great has his feast day on June the fourteenth. So I always want to say excited. Saint Basil because of the show Faulty Towers. You ever watch that? I say Basil. No, I've never heard of that show. Oh, it's a British show from the seventies. Oh, uh, with John. Is it Cleese. as good as The Crown or Downton Abbey? Oh, let's not let's not get crazy. That's sure nothing's as good as Downton Abbey, obviously. Yeah. Just look at Matthew Good's filmography and just watch everything he's been in, basically, right? Um, basically, okay. British period pieces. So, uh, sorry. Solemnity of the Precious Blood, is that where we're at? Yeah, so I did kind of skip ahead. So before we get to that, um, a, a really important piece day in June is actually the Nativity of St. John the Baptist. I was going to ask um, about that because I, I noticed that we flew right we past it. that. Now, one thing you'll notice is that we most saint days are on the day of that saint's death um, because that's sort of viewed as their heavenly birthday, especially if they were a martyr. Right. But St. John the Baptist is one of three occasions where we celebrate a birth. So Mm -hmm. the most important birth feast day is Christmas, the birth of our Lord, Uh um, followed by September the 8th, where Our Lady was born. Um, And the only other one is St. John the Baptist. And an important thing to know is that you look in Scripture, and our Lord... um, heals St. John the Baptist from original sin, and which allowed him to live a sinless life, mm-hmm. um, you know, while he was still in the womb of St. Elizabeth, his mother, uh, Our Lady's cousin. And so it's important to know that the reason we celebrate his birth is because he was born, um, you know, in a state of sanctifying grace, where none of us were. Right. You know, because of original sin, we were not born in a state of sanctifying grace. Um Tradition also tells us that St. Joseph was given a similar blessing, and he was born in the state of sanctifying grace. Um, but we don't, we don't have his birthday, and we don't have a feast day related to his birth. Um, but the only three that we do have, and you know, they're all in Scripture, are, uh, of course, our Lord, Our Lady, and um, St. John the Baptist. I, so I, I want to. So that's the twenty fourth of June. I want to. Yes. I want to skip. Drink is a pina colada, by the way. I just have to point that out. Sorry, I'll, I'll stop bringing up the drinks. By the book, I don't want to give away all, all of Foley's secrets. But so I mean, pina coladas, people. <laughs> well, 
So June 24th, we celebrate his birth. I'm skipping ahead to August. We celebrate the beheading of John the Baptist on August 29th. We were not celebrate, but memorialize. Uh, the poor guy was beheaded at two months and five days old by my count here, Zach. Yeah, it's pretty wild. He did a lot. Those two months were pretty spectacular. Okay. Yeah, left a big impression those yeah, two months. a big impression. Um, later in the month are the feasts of St. Peter and Paul. So those are the feasts, um, the two great apostles of Rome, and they're the, the patrons of the Diocese of Rome. Um, so that's, you know, that's great. The, uh, this, my saint is St. Peter, and actually my sponsor saint is St. Paul. And so it's kind of cool, um, you know, that, that we have that sort of shared feast day where, you know, my, both my sponsor and I have our patron saint we can celebrate. So that's pretty great. That's fun. And then interestingly enough, St. Paul gets his own feast day the next day. So it's a, it's a great month to have a devotion to St. Paul. And, you know, the Protestants love Paul and well, we love our, our Protestant um, separated brethren. Some mm-hmm. of the Protestants are, you know, a little bit Puritan ish with their views. So, uh, you know, booze it up with the Foley book while you're celebrating St. <laughs> Paul because the Protestants do love St. Paul. Yeah. Some of them are not, not good fans of uh, beer and wine. So why not? Wine not. Wine not. So then what I skipped ahead to um, earlier, and we'll get back to now, is July 1st, uh, the Feast of the Most Precious Blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And okay. So, um Obviously, his blood was spilled on the cross, and as they've said, you know, one drop of his blood, um, you know, if it could fall into hell, would be enough to, you know, save every soul there. There's a lot, you know, discussed about about that. You know, Mm -hmm. the first time he spilled his blood, of course, was at his circumcision, and then the the next time was at at the cross. So that's an important feast day, celebrating with sangria, like I said. and, you know, a lot of people have a really special devotion to um, the precious blood of our Lord. You know, at Mass, only the priest consumes it, but you, he does lift it up to show everybody. And, and we know that when we receive the host, we are receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity. So it's not that we're not getting the blood, but the, you know, the precious blood at Mass generally refers to what was wine until the consecration. And so, um, you know, it's a good time to win when the priest lifts that up and we venerate that. Well, they, um, yeah, they, they stopped, they stopped with the wine at mass. I don't know the exact date, like hundreds of years ago, right? In, in response to a heresy. Yeah. So that, I, see, I don't know how widespread it was even before that, but I do know that heresies about the nature of the Eucharist were one of the reasons that they, they did, you know, really stop. And it, it's actually still not something that the, the Vatican is, is happy with because um, it's not done all over the world. It's just heavily done in America. Okay. Um, but, you know, there, it opens up a lot of chances for abuse and, and it requires, um, I mean, it, it's hard on the priests, you know, to have to distribute all of that. Um, you know, I know at our parish, it, it takes, you know, both, it takes two of the priests just to distribute the host to everyone. I couldn't imagine how they could juggle also distributing the precious blood to everybody. It kind of baffles me. Um, so, you know. Yeah. 
Yep. July 2nd is the visitation, so we know that's the second uh, mystery of the rosary. Mm-hmm. So that's a good day to pray the joyful mysteries, even if it's not um, Monday or Thursday. You can you can bust those out. Um, the visitation, like we said, was where St. John the Baptist was uh, healed of original sin. It's where Elizabeth gave St. Elizabeth gave us the second part of of the Hail Mary prayer. Um, so it's, it's cool. It's cool. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Okay. Now the 4th of July, of course, is, is American Independence Day. So a lot of people will be celebrating that. Um, but it's also the commemoration of all holy popes. Interesting. And so it's a good day to celebrate the man, the myth, the legend, Pope Pius XI. <laughs> of happy memory. Right. You could also celebrate Gregory the 16th. Uh, I mean, well, really, you could celebrate any of them, but if you if you want to pick a great one to celebrate, I'd recommend celebrate Pius XI on July the, 4th, uh, July the 4th and celebrate Pope Leo, who condemned the heresy of Americanism. Oh, man. Yeah. Because we can, we can love our, our nation, and we patriotism is a virtue, so it's, it's binding that we be patriotic. Um, I always it has to be within within the virtue. That's what I I always get kind of confused on which one is the good one and which is the bad. So nationalism, good or bad? Bad. Nationalism is a, a vice opposed to the virtue of patriotism. So patriotism is the only one of the ones that are good. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, basically, you have unpatriotism and you have nationalism. Unpatriotism being being unpatriotic. That's the um, the defect, and then being a nationalist is the excess. Okay. And so those are both vices. Um, you know, and patriotism is about wanting what's best for your country. So, you know, we want our sure. country to become a Catholic country. Um, we want, you know, the the greatness of a nation is measured by the number of canonized saints from that nation. Okay. So, you know, we're way behind Malta if we want to think of it in those terms. So right. what we want from America is to produce a lot of saints. And that's how you really measure the greatness of a of a secular nation is how many canonized saints does it have? Make a, so make America saints again, Massa. Yes, yeah, make saints in America again or something. Yeah, and I mean there have been some American saints, and um, you know hopefully Fulton Sheen becomes a saint. Um, you know, there's a few <laughs> others. There's there's not any that come to mind that are just urgent, but Fulton yeah. Sheen would be a great one. Um, so yeah, um, that's what you can be doing on July the fourth. I always like that Saint. There's Saint Methodius, just because I grew up Methodist, and they have nothing to do with each other. But I always am like, eh. um, Saint John Fisher and Saint Thomas More come up in July, um, and so you know they died for the the importance of, of papal supremacy, mm-hmm. um, and and how important it is to to be Catholic before you're anything else. And so I think that that's great to celebrate. Um, one thing that I think is very sad is that they're held up now as like saints of religious freedom or something. And that, that really isn't, I think if you were to ask them if they died for religious freedom, I, I'm, I'm certain they would say no. Sure. They, they were not martyred for religious freedom. They were murdered by the English crown for being Catholic. Um, right. So good ones to have, especially because St. Thomas More, you know, he really wasn't a fan of the Pope that he died for, but he still died for him. 
And well, that yeah, that just um, shows that just shows the importance of, uh, you know, submitting to the Pope, even if you're not a fan of what's happening. Right. right. Uh, now, wait. Thing. So, the Pope he died for was not a heretic, right? Was not obviously wasn't preaching error, but was he? He well, was not. He was not a formal heretic, obviously. Sure. Um, no, I think he just was. Like, I, I think that in Saint Thomas, I mean Saint Thomas More would rail on him, so I think he was just a bad administrator. Um, but it just shows that you know it's not a personality cult, and and the love that we should have for the Holy Father really has to be independent of who the Holy Father is. So sometimes it's just as dangerous to like a pope too much than it is to dislike them. You really have to focus on the office and, right. and pray for them that they can lead the church, but you know, never never let your loyalty to the pope be influenced by who the pope is. Sure. That's you know, that's a mistake, whether it's good or bad. Um Oh, there we go. We've got an American saint in July. Um Saint Kateri uh tackle with that right and so you know definitely celebrate that develop a devotion and you know ask her to intercede for for the americas um during that day get to mass um now a, a feast in july that i hope we get to talk more about as we get closer maybe we can even do like a sideshow mini episode on this is our lady of mount carmel okay yeah so Our Lady of Mount Carmel appeared to St. Simon Stock and gave him the brown scapular that everyone wears. And, um, you know, that was centuries and centuries ago, and Catholics have continued to wear these um, since then, you know. And it, it is silly to look at, you know, everyone, and it's like wearing these little teabag things. But um, Our Lady does promise a lot of things. And so... We'll talk more about that because there have been so many miracles associated with the scapular. And I, I have to think that a lot of people who who maybe – I think there are a lot of people in heaven that the scapular was the big defining thing. I mean obviously you have to die in the state of grace to go to heaven, but you know that scapular may have been what kept them in the state of grace. And you hear stories about people who leave the church and they become um, you know, very dodgy characters and all these things. Um but they just don't take their scapular off, maybe because their grandmother gave it to them, or mm-hmm. you know they just don't. And at the end of their lives, they have some kind of conversion, or they receive a vision, or or something happens, and they come back to the church, um, back to the faith, and to our Lord. Um, so that's where it's just so neat to to think about. And we you know we could do probably a full episode on the scapular, but at the very least, we can do a mini episode on it. Right. So um, they. I guess the idea behind the scapular would be a lot like the rosary. If you're struggling with a sin or, you know, especially a mortally sinful practice, like if you start saying the rosary, one of two things either are going to happen. You're either going to stop committing that sin or you're just going to stop saying the rosary, right? So I guess if if you're wearing a scapular and you commit to wearing it, uh, you're either going to stop like some sort of sin you're committing, or you're just going to take the scapular off. So odds are, odds are pretty good if you continue to wear it, something good will happen. Saint Mary Magdalene comes up later in July, mm-hmm. so that's um, you know just a fantastic saint, especially for you know penitents and 
there's these fantastic works of art you can find um, sculptures, paintings of Mary Magdalene. It's sort of believed that um, after the ascension and after everyone spread out, that she went to France and lived as a hermit, and actually that angels would bring her the Eucharist wow. so that she could remain a hermit. Um, and she just lived the rest of her life, you know, offering herself to our Lord. And um, just a fantastic character. They try to, to make her very boring in, like, movies and stuff that they put out and make her just kind of this ordinary, you know, blah, but really extraordinary saint if you look at what, what she actually was and what our Lord did for her and how she responded to that, you know, and, and what tradition says about how she lived the rest of her life. So uh, in July, definitely be looking out for St. Mary Magdalene on July 22nd. All right, so let's see. That's the twenty second. Do we have anything uh, to finish up that month, or are we are we going into August now? Well, with July, you kind of get into a few things. Um, there's Saint Christopher mm-hmm. has his feast day, July twenty fifth. Um, saint Christopher's obviously been a very popular saint, patron saint of, of travel. A lot of people wear St. Christopher medals or have a St. Christopher in their car. It's one of those things that even survives into secularism. You'll, you'll meet people that, that have a St. Christopher who maybe haven't been to Mass in years. And, you know, so I always would pray for St. Christopher to, to bring those people back to the faith. So it's great when you have those saints like St. Saint Valentine or St. Christopher that, that remain popular in the culture and become good touch points because, you know, obviously on our calendar, February the 14th is still the feast of St. Valentine's Day. And, and mm-hmm. on our calendar, St. Christopher has a feast day. So um, it's great to, to have those touch points that the culture still appreciate and, um, you know, can use those to evangelize. Sure. Um, so, yeah, those are our August. Um, St. The, oh, the last one in July is St. Ignatius of Loyola. And, I mean, again, you know, don't let today's Jesuits turn you off to this saint. He he was fantastic. He was a believing Catholic um, and just a, a heroic saint. And, and really for you know the next few hundred years, the Jesuits were just absolute champions of the faith. Sure. Um, so, I mean, they would have... Uh, the, the things that they were able to do and, and how they were able to, to spread the faith um, before they were suppressed were, were just amazing. Um so he's definitely someone to learn about. And, of course, the spiritual exercises of, of St. Ignatius of Loyola are, are fantastic. Um, so that kind of wraps up July. It kind of gets you through the summer. So, I mean, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, there's some great feast days to look for in August. Um, there's the big uh, Holy Day of Obligation, the Feast of the Assumption. Assumption. That's right. I I will want to point out before in August we have August tenth, the feast day of the birthday of Katie Baker. Oh yes, my mom. Yeah, very so, nice. So that's a feast day we need to commemorate. Absolutely, um, I, I think there are local traditions associated with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very local. Phoenix, Arizona specific. Nice. Um, August 22nd is the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And so uh, that's important. Obviously, a good thing to do then is pray the rosary, learn about Fatima. Um, 
you know, all of that. August 25th, St. Louis. Uh, so Louis the ninth is the only canonized king of France. Wow. Um, which there've been no canonized, um, you know, presidents or prime ministers or, or anything of that sort. And I doesn't seem like that that's, uh, about to happen anytime soon anywhere in the Western world, at least. Um, but there were, you know, saints who were monarchs and one of them of course was St. Louis of Louis of France. Um, and then, you know, you round out, uh, August with St. Genesius, who is not the patron saint of your parish. No, unfortunately it's now St. Vitus. Oh, big. Oh, that's, new- cool. that's cool though. Big news, Zach. The, uh, dedication for the new parish is June 25th. So if you're looking for an excuse to make a trip out to Los Angeles on Monday, June 25th, it's the dedication of uh, St. Vitus Parish. So, And That's awesome. from what I understand, I don't know if I've said this, but it is, I think, the first new Catholic parish in Los Angeles in like 20 years. Some wow. some ridiculous length of time. I I hope that I'm wrong and that someone corrects me, but that's what I've been hearing, because the uh, Archbishop Gomez, I believe, is coming, and I think he was excited to be there because he hasn't really done anything like this since he's been the Archbishop of Los Angeles. <laughs> like we've. We have the new rite for dedicating a church, but we've never used it. So last time we did it, it was with this rite, this old one. Yeah, know? they haven't. Yeah, they actually haven't done a dedication here since before Vatican II. That's how long it's been. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he's been uh, he's been bishop since 2010. So he, yeah, I don't think he's done one. So that's just uh, something I forgot to tell you that I wanted to throw in here. Exciting! Join us. I'll try to be there. Um, let's see. And then, uh, ending the month, there's St. Augustine of Hippo. Um, excellent, excellent saint. He's, he's definitely been sort of, um, appropriated by splinter groups and Protestants, but he he is just a fantastic saint. And you can get a lot of Augustine by reading Thomas, but you can also go read confessions and and learn about Augustine yourself. Mm Um, he also shares a feast day with an important saint we should mention, St. Moses the Black. Oh wow! Um, yeah, which is one of Bug's patrons. So friend of the show, Bug uh, Hall's, uh, yeah, patron saint. So yes, so yeah, so there's a lot of cool feast days to to keep in mind this summer as you're celebrating. Obviously, the the big ones are the um, Corpus Christi, Sacred Heart, Precious Blood, um, the Assumption. But then you know important saints like um, Our Lady of Mount Carmel and Augustine and Christopher and other ones are there. Um, there's there's traditions that have sort of developed organically over the hundreds of years that we've had these feast days on the calendar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, incorporating them in your life, it just makes it more fun. I mean, it, you know, it, it allows you to, to sort of weave these things into your life and, and just, you know, enjoy, enjoy your time. So I, I recommend, um, you know, grabbing a missile or, or going on, you can, you know, Google um, liturgical calendar. The, a great website is Our Lady of Guadalupe Seminary. They have the all the feast days listed out. And, uh, you know, just enjoy it. Go on Fish Eaters. 
and and learn about the different traditions and see which ones make sense to incorporate into your life and and just live it up make it fun yeah know? the the uh saints should be celebrated because they're god's perfections right so these are the people that we're striving to be like so why not celebrate them why not remember them exactly and there's food and drinks and games and all sorts of things that are associated you know there's different flowers associated with it so yeah um, you know it's fun it makes you know you can adorn your life with all these these things and your your life becomes more beautiful and it just becomes you know uh memories you can look back on and as you know as the year repeats and you do it again you kind of think about where was i a year ago and how much have i grown and you know how much closer to god am i hopefully this year than last year and um you know that that can be your life. It's it's nice. Yep, that's great. Good now, we work. won't we won't roll into September, October, November because that's way too far in the future. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. be talking more about those as we get there because there's some really important feast days that happen in October and November. Um, so we, we'll get there for that. Um, and and we we have promised you guys an episode about the scapular and Our Lady of Mount Carmel, at least a mini one. Um, so we'll we'll also talk more about that later. Um, yeah, anything to leave the people with? Any exciting things coming up in your life this weekend? Um, this coming weekend, two of my good friends will be getting married. Um, I, I met them at the very first parish that I went to in Dallas. And so uh, please pray for my, my friends as they plan to enter the sacrament. And um, I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to go to this wedding and get to share that moment with them. And it's just going to be great. Okay, more weddings. Exciting. All right, well, hey, yeah. We'll uh, be back next week with uh, another hard-hitting guest. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, so you'll have to fill me in. Sounds exciting. We're going to talk about St. Basil. We're going to talk about usury. We're going to talk about moving cross-country. There's so many things we'll be talking about. Okay, well, great. Look forward to it. Until then, thanks for listening, gang. See you later.